Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Then look what happens soon. It says he's coming back at the end of all this mess. And we can see the order of things. He's coming back. They're going to know in generalities when he's going to come. They won't know the day or the hour, but they're going to know it's coming soon because we know there's a terminus to this. And also when Jesus comes back in his second coming, he's coming physically to the earth. Today on Truth in Christ, our scripture says, Behold, he is coming. Welcome everyone to our Bible study. What John is explaining today wasn't a supernatural vision of Jesus' return. That supernatural vision will come later. This description is based from John's understanding of the Old Testament promises of the Messiah's return and Jesus' own words about his return. For example, John knew that Jesus was coming because Jesus said he was coming. In John chapter 14, verse 3, Jesus said, I will come again and receive you to myself. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. Did you know that there is a difference? And there are two phases to the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord is like an umbrella, and underneath that you have what happens first, and that is the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is is an event where the believers are taken up to meet him in the clouds. Jesus doesn't come to the earth. We meet him in the clouds. You can read about this, and you know this in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. You can also read it in 1 Corinthians 15, because it's something that happens like this. In a twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ are raised. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together, will be transformed, given a new body, the body like Jesus had on his resurrection morning. So there is the rapture, but there's also another event, the second coming of Christ. In fact, when we get to chapter 4, we will speak more concerning the rapture, but this verse is specifically speaking of the second coming of Christ. And this statement that he's making here is perhaps the greatest in all of the Bible, and certainly in the book, because it's a consummation of not only the Bible, but this book, the return of Christ to set up his kingdom for a thousand years. And his coming is mentioned, again, it's kind of interesting, seven times. The second coming physically to the earth is mentioned here. And in the other areas in the scripture and revelation, it speaks really of the rapture, we believe. But there is a difference between the rapture and the second coming. And this morning, we're not going to look at all of those different differences because there's over, well over 15 different differences 
between the rapture and the second coming. I hope you know this, because if you don't, it's going to mess up your eschatology. It's going to mess up your understanding of last things, especially as you read the Bible. We'll spend more time on this later, but let me just whet your appetite briefly, because the rapture is invisible to the world. It happens in a twinkling of an eye. In 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about that. It happens just like that. Nobody sees it. The world certainly doesn't see it. But yet this verse that we're looking at, verse 7, says every eye will see it. So it can't be the rapture. And the rapture is going to be imminent. There's going to be no warning. It's going to happen at any moment. I pray that it happens before. Wouldn't that be great? The Lord would just interrupt my sentence and take us. It's imminent. It's imminent. And also, it's one, it's an event where the church meets the Lord in the air. We meet him in the air. He doesn't come down. And so we meet him in the air. But the second coming is completely different. The second coming, everyone in the world, when he comes at the end of the tribulation period, every eye will see him. And they will be, for those who are saved that are on the earth, that get saved during the tribulation, they're going to rejoice. There are going to be others, unfortunately. Even still in their rebellion, they're going to shake their fist at him. And believe me, he made all things. He can appear from all angles on all the world all at once. They can see him coming. They're going to see him coming with power on the clouds. Everyone will see it, and the general time frame will be known when he comes. They don't know the day or the hour, even in the tribulation period. But thank God, hopefully there will be Bibles around in those times. I'm sure there will be. And they'll be able to look and see what's coming next. Can you imagine that? You're an unbeliever, and some, uh, a believer comes to you and says, Hey, I just got saved a couple days ago, but I found this Bible, and look what's happening next. But then look what happens soon. It says he's coming back at the end of all this mess, and we can see the order of things. He's coming back. They're going to know in generalities when he's going to come. They won't know the day or the hour, but they're going to know it's coming soon because we know there's a terminus to this. And also when Jesus comes back in his second coming, He's coming physically to the earth. We're not going to meet him in the air. He's going to set down. In fact, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. We've got a few verses to go through here, and then we're going to end. Because this is really important. And notice, this is the, actually the very first part of the letter. All, everything we've read up to chapter, or verse 7, excuse me, has been introduction. And the first thing it's really spoken of is, Behold, he is coming with clouds. I should hope so. And we're going to see it. But turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Look at verse 50. And I want you to write these down because this will be helpful for you to understand the second coming, the second physical coming of Jesus to the earth. Because he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. Luke 24 verse 50. What does it say? After the resurrection. After the resurrection. It says, and he, Jesus, he led them out as far as Bethany. Now, Bethany, when those of you who are going to Israel with us, we're going to be on the Mount of Olives. And Bethany is just not too far away from the Mount of Olives, just a little bit to the east. Notice what it says. And so they're on the Mount of Olives. They're going toward, he led them out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 1, because Luke, again, gives us a little more information about what happened here. And this is really important. Again, if your understanding of these end times is going to be, is going to be right, 
You have to understand this. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Because remember, Luke wrote the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. And, he, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, he really just picks up where he left off. But he gives us a little more information. Notice what he says. Now when he had spoken these things, Jesus, while they watched, he was taken up, notice, and a cloud received him out of their sight. A cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, and can you imagine that? This is before Star Trek. This is before Star Wars. You know, there's no beam me up, Scotty. You know, beam me up, Peter. Beam me up. I don't know. There's no beaming up. But God, right before them, he ascended into heaven and a cloud received him out of their sight. Verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly, steadfastly toward heaven with their mouth wide open and their eyes popping out of their heads, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner. As you saw him go into heaven, you will see him in like manner. Then they returned to Jerusalem, and and they were on the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. So they are on the Mount of Olives. He ascends. He's going to come in the same manner. Where did he go? He was on the earth. He ascended into heaven. The angel said to them, when he comes back, he's coming back in like manner. He's going to come in a cloud, and he's going to set foot again. And guess what? On the same exact place. Turn with me to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 14. He's going to set down in the same place. And I can't wait to get over there. Because we're going to be standing on the Mount of Olives, and we're going to see, we're going to be looking at this mountain, and we're going to be thinking, Good grief, this thing's going to be parted from the north to the south. We're going to read it. Because Zechariah, hundreds of years before, prophesied of the second coming of Jesus to the earth. The second coming to the earth. Read with me in Zechariah 14. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. Notice verse 2. For I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken. And the the house is rifled, and the women ravished. Half the city will go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord, verse 3, will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. This is the battle of Armageddon. But notice what happens. And in that day, when Jesus comes back, he's going to return just as he left. He's going to come back to the Mount of Olives. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives which faces Jerusalem on the east, and it does. We're going to see it. And the Mount of Olives shall split in two from east to west, making it a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. Ezekiel talks about this too. That mountain's going to cleave in two. And there's going to be a great river coming out from the, from the, the threshold of the temple. And the water is going to go down and make the Dead Sea pure again. The Mediterranean is going to be filled with fresh water eventually. The Dead Sea will no longer be dead. There will be fishers on the shores fishing because of the fresh water that will come. As a result of that seismic event, when Jesus sets foot on the Mount of Olives, it's going to be huge. The Antichrist temple that he's going to build, he's going to build is going to be decimated 
And how do I know that? Because if a mountain right next to it is split in two from the east and the west and the north and the south, believe me, everything in the area is going down. And the water's going to flow. And he's going to set up his kingdom. That's what it says. Turn with me to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. You're all very familiar with this passage. It speaks about the great tribulation period and what happens afterward. And we're specifically going to look at verse 29. And we don't have to guess about the time period because he says, Matthew 24, verse 29, it says what? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, we're talking about the great tribulation. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Notice verse 30. Then the the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And notice, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. They're going to see it. The whole earth is going to see it. They're going to see it. Even in the book of Daniel, look at Daniel chapter 7. Turn there, verse 13. And then we're going to look at one more passage. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Daniel the prophet, writing some... 600 years before Christ. All these prophets prophesying the exact same thing. Notice what Daniel said in chapter 7, verse 13. He says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man. Who is he speaking of? Jesus. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, God the Father. And they brought him near before him. And then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Notice that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting kingdom and dominion which shall not pass away. And and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. It shall not be destroyed. This is Jesus Christ and his second coming to the earth to establish his kingdom. All governments will be made null and void. There will be only one on the ballot box. We don't have to worry about Russia intervening. There won't even be a vote. It's going to happen. I love that about the Lord. He doesn't say, you know, I'm feeling kind of insecure about this whole thing. You know, I just just want to put out some information. Let's just see if they'll they'll want me to come. They're going to want me to come back. Let's send out a Twitter thing and see if they, yes or no, do you want Lord Lord to come back? Mm, Yeah, no, no, no. No, he's going to be coming back and there's going to be no one that can stop him. He came first as the meek and mild baby lamb of Jesus. Meek and mild to save everyone from their sins. But when he comes back the second time, when he comes back this time, he's going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. To exact vengeance, there will be death. There'll be great vengeance upon a world that has rejected him. And do you think that he enjoys that? The Bible says that he does not delight in the death of the wicked. But let me tell you something. As great as his love is, great is his hatred toward those who hate him. You do not want to be on the, on the wrathful side of God. Are you on the, on the good side of God? I think most of us are, hopefully all of us. That's a good thing. It's a choice we have to make. Choose life or death. Didn't he say that to Moses? And to tell the children of Israel, this day choose life or death. I think I'll choose death. Are you serious? What's wrong with you? What is wrong with people? 
Choose life. Choose the one who created all things. The one who loves you. The one who paid the price for you. I mean, what more could he give? He gave everything. Is there any good thing that he would withhold from you? Any good thing? No, there is no good thing that he will not withhold from you. If it's good, he's going to give it to you. If it's good. If he knows it's going to be bad, thank you for withholding it from me, because I'd probably make an idol of it. I'd probably serve it and polish it. Turn with me now, finally, to Revelation 19, because in verse 7 here, he says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. And we're going to see the summation of that coming. This is what the book is all about. It's about him. And it's about what is coming. And everyone is waiting for this day. When this event happens... I'm looking forward to the rapture. That could happen at any time, but I'm looking forward. We're going to find out where we play in all of this. Notice verse 11, chapter 19, Revelation 19, verse 11. It says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Yes, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Notice, his eyes were like a flame of fire. When we get into... The next several verses from 9 to the end of the first chapter, we're going to see the same Jesus described as the same Jesus that's described here. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The Logos of God and the armies in heaven, clothed in white linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. I want spurs. I want two forty-four magnums in a holster on each side, just because. Not that we need them, but just to look cool. Guys, you, Dan, you understand. None of that will be needed, but notice, the armies in heaven, that includes you and I, folks. We've been clothed with the, the white linen of Jesus Christ, which is the righteousness of, of Jesus Christ. We'll be clothed in that. We'll follow him in white linen, white and clean, following him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to vanquish his enemies. And we will be coming back with him at the second coming. Does that encourage your heart? It encourages mine. Now quickly, let's look at verse 8, and then we'll be finished here. Notice, Jesus, in verse 8, back in, our, in the first chapter here, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We know that the Alpha and the Omega are the first and the last of the Greek alphabet. It's like our A to Z in our alphabet, meaning that he is the beginning. Whenever the beginning was, he was there. He's also in the ending. He can see the end from the beginning because he's outside of time. Thus says the high and lofty one and who inhabits eternity. Isn't that what Isaiah 57 says? He inhabits eternity. He's outside of time. He can look at it as if it's already completed. He can see the end. He's seen everything in between as well. My life, your life. He, he could tell us what's happening tomorrow. I'm glad he doesn't. But he could if he wanted to. He's already seen it. And he loves you. He's not angry with you. If you're in Christ, you've got nothing to worry about. Even your mistakes in the future are covered under the blood. We just have to confess them. 
but we're covered. But because of that, because of that grace, do I, do I just continue in sin that grace may abound? No. It ought to wreck me and ruin me so much so that I'd be like, Lord, I am completely undone. I'm yours forever. Whatever you want me to do, God, I want to do that, and I want to do it right. That's what it ought to do. That kind of grace, that kind of love, that's the effect of it. It should happen. Because if it doesn't, I don't understand. I don't fully get it. And you know what? If you're in that place, God will reveal that to you. But he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the ending. He's with us from the moment of our beginning to the moment of our ending and even beyond. Does that comfort you? He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. And next time we get together again, it'll be two weeks. Actually, three weeks, I guess, from this date. We'll get into chapter 9 through the end of the chapter. But be encouraged. Be encouraged and don't be fearful. A lot of people fearing. If God spoke all things into existence, think about this logically, okay? If we can do this for a moment. Are any of you scared? You don't have to raise your hand, but there's a lot of things going on. Are you scared inside? I mean, I mean, we do live on the earth. I mean, there are some fears, I guess. I mean, we know the end game. Praise the Lord for that. We know what's coming. We know the end. God has shown it to us. That's a great comfort to me. But between now and then, sometimes we get a little upset. We get a little worried about things. But let me encourage you with this thought. That if he who spoke all things with just a word, he said, let there be light, and there was light, and he saw it was good. He said, let there be, let there be living creatures of all different kinds and varieties. The genius of God all working together, all living in harmony, and the whole thing just working so well. He spoke all things when as yet there were no thing. Is he able? Is he able to conquer your fear today? Is he able to sustain you in the midst of a, of a time period that we're living in now that seems uncertain and difficult even? I would encourage you today to go home and to get on your knees you don't have, God can answer, he, you can talk to him when you're driving your car, just don't close your eyes. He can, you can talk to him anywhere, but I would encourage you as your king, if you're able, just humble yourself, get on your knees and say, Lord, I want to be yours again. I want to be yours. Completely, unreservedly yours forever. Stamp me, mold me, shape me, use me. That's a good deal. Wouldn't you agree? Let's stand. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is so encouraging, Lord, for us to read these things and to know that, Lord, you have a handle on history, Lord. It's history because it's your story. It's your story. It's the very story of Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him signified it by his angel to his servant John, and we are your servants. We've receiving, we're, we are receiving this message. Lord, help us to trust you. So, Father, have your way with us today, and keep us safe, Lord. Pour out your Spirit upon every single one of us, and heal our bodies, Father. Heal our minds. Heal our emotions heal every single part of us god with a word you can speak it it'll be done 
According to your will, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.